In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Inglestad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Ingolstadt, here as always with my co-host, advocate, and all three of the original Ghostbusters, Mike Graham. You know, it, it just occurred to me, we haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. No sense of worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Yep, let's get ready. Switch me on. And scene? And scene! Uh, the, <laughs> the listeners won't appreciate how in the video uh, that I'm watching you on, you, you went from side to side of the video to really change your frame of reference, but your voice <laughs> stayed exactly the same. Because I can't do... Like, you're good at that. That like impressions and stuff like that. That's okay. I'll just. I really appreciated that. Obviously, was just for me. Sorry, listeners. Anyway, Mike, what's going on? Uh, Not much. Um, (laughs) nothing. We did a great '80s reference because we're honoring a great TV show. I guess technically, it's a streaming series. Yeah, I don't even know what to call that stuff. But yeah, it's a it's a show that references. I mean, I'm pretty sure everything that happened in the '80s is referenced at one time or another. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask you and I. I just really need to know if you noticed this before we move on, which okay. was, uh, and by the way, spoilers for season three throughout this show. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, turn us off right now. That's all you get. That's the only spoiler we're saying. All right, here we go. They had those energy tubes with the green goo in them uh, that powered the beam. Yeah. And did they not look like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ooze to you? The ooze canisters? Yeah, that's that's a pretty good call. I'm pretty sure that's what they were yeah. supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. So, well, kudos to the Duffer Brothers and Stranger <laughs> Things because we we got a kick out of all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we're we're gonna talk about Stranger Things in a little bit, but Mike, I have an article I have to talk to you about because it made me both furious and curious. Hmm. I would combine those two words, but it would just still sound like furious or curious. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's both are appropriate. So the <laughs> the article came out. Well, the I guess I saw it this week. I think it's technically from 2017. But the title of the article, and it's on psychotherapynetworker.org, which sounds like an obscure website, but it's something I read from time to time. The title of the article is How Psychotherapy Lost Its Magic. Okay. And Mike, I should clarify uh, that magic in this title is spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. Okay. So that makes me uh, think of the dark, like the dark lord magic... (laughs) But but actually, that's just M A G I K. So I really have no f- what what's yeah. No, it's kind of like the mystical arts, you know, shamanism and voodoo and all that kind of stuff. You're not that far off. Okay, okay. But so basically, the article is about, and you know, what, I'll just read a I'll read a quote from it. It's a little bit long quote, so just give me a second. But it it sort of summarizes why I'm so furious. So according to the American Federation of Certified Psychics and Mediums. Millions of people in the United States regularly seek counsel from advisors claiming special powers. The available industry data indicate more people attend and pay out-of-pocket 
for such services than see mental health practitioners. I mean, that's a surprising like statistic that that more people pay for that kind of service than like something that's legitimized through universities and accreditation. Something that's covered by your insurance. <laughs> <laughs> but and I am obviously pro therapy and psychiatry and all that kind of stuff. But I am also torn when I hear that because I look at it like this. Um, take away people who have like extreme mental illness, mm-hmm. like the things that are like debil- debilitating, uh, like the higher end of stuff. But like, let's say someone who's grieving or something like that. Sure. Like I can, I can see that if that's helpful for them and that's, that's the route they want to go. Like, like I'm okay with that. To when you say grieving, like the intention would be to go see a medium or a psychic to talk to their person who's passed on or to get reassurance. Yeah. What are you referring to? A Patrick Swayze. So a ghost experience. Great. Yes, that's okay. what. No, 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 no. I just mean like uh, if it settles their nerves to like do a tarot card and know that their loved one's like okay in the afterlife or whatever, mm-hmm. and that helps them move on. Like that's okay, but it, I guess I'm thinking like if it's someone that's I don't know manip- manipulating people or like telling them their future or just impossible things, and that's yeah. That's a different story, too. So I I have to come out here as someone who is pretty staunchly (laughs) anti-psychic. Okay. So and that's not to say so I I get where you're coming from, that if it provides relief or or, or, uh, enjoyment, pleasure for people, that can we just kind of let it be what it is? Sure. But your example, grief. I mean, for me, that's something that people not necessarily I won't say should, but I will absolutely say could benefit strongly from therapy when it comes to grief and dealing with grief. So I guess I just struggle with it because, and I also, I should say I've had a uh, psychic experience. Um, My wife and I went to a psychic in um, Sedona, Arizona, which is like a hotbed for uh, psychics and mediums because people claim they are like, Uh, spirals and crystals and things it, in the desert, is this, basically. Is it because it's close to Nevada? Uh, no, no, it's just something about the desert, and there's, like, places in the desert where they're, like, trees are twisted because of the energy. I don't know. I, okay. I didn't understand it. Um, but we went and saw we a psychic. We start a new podcast. We went and saw a psychic because we were curious and because they were everywhere in Sedona, and this person used, like, crystals swinging back and forth to tell us our future. Okay. And we were supposed to have two kids, both boys, so far, we only have one kid, and she's a girl. She guessed that my wife was a teacher. She's not. She said I was going to write a book about uh, fairies or something. Like, this was around the time when, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the, the Twilight was, was popular? Yeah, yeah. So she was like, <laughs> oh, so book. you're going you're gonna to write a book. You're going to write the next, you know, young adult bestseller series. Um. I just want to say the books were less stupid than the movies. Oh, no, no, that's that's totally fine. I'm just saying she looked at me and said that that's what I was going to (laughs) do. So, I mean, I'm I'm biased because of that obviously wrong and negative experience, but also because I just I worry about the scenario that you just painted. So psychics or mediums just sort of telling people what they want to hear because they know that will make them feel good or that will provide them relief. Yeah. Oh, and make them money. Which Absolutely. is the, yeah. the main goal to get somebody to come back and it, no question. they're doing, they're basically like in-person telemarketers, a lot of them. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they, if they get a gullible 
person mm -hmm. uh, on hand and then they can keep them coming back just because of like placebo effect. Uh, I don't want to make this run long, but I had a couple of things to say to this. Sure. And uh, one of them was, what if we looked at it like this um, and we pull ourselves out of it and we, we are skeptics of both therapy and uh, psychiatry and then the magic stuff on the other side. And you were talking about the crystals in your story. And then that got me thinking about like a crystal ball and then all sorts of stuff. But then you go over to the like um, what's considered legitimate side. If you don't necessarily think that that's a like a working thing, well, we're doing EMDR and we're some people are doing hypnosis, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of out on hypnosis, too. But sure, go ahead. I know you are. Going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you could say from afar that that therapist is just that EMDR. That's ridiculous. Like well, how that is just them reacting because they've been told that they're now changing their mind holding two paddles in your hand and vibrating, going back and forth. Now, I know that it works, and I've been to a psychic and a, and I've done EMDR, and the psychic definitely didn't work just like yours. Right, and I will say that there's uh, mixed uh, evidence on the successfulness of different types of therapeutic treatment. Like, that is absolutely true. You know, even CBT, DBT, EMDR only have, you know, efficacy rates of like right. 40 to 60%. But psychics and mediums are not regulated at all. They don't, there's no expectation right. that there will be evidence-based practices. There's no mm -hmm. expectation that there will be treatment plans or, you know, um, check-ins or, or uh, you know, uh, safety planning for people who are severely right. depressed or things like that. So I guess for me, it's like if, if you're experiencing what we would call mental health problems, right, um, struggles, that... Even if you're tempted to to see a psychic or a medium, you know, I say, okay, I sure, I guess, give it a shot. But also keep in mind that deeper work might give you better results. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Sure. It's a yeah. tough I I I I'm I'm a therapist. I'm biased in this discussion, well, but I get it, I get it. It's 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 one of those things where I don't know. It's a, I guess this is a hard conversation. Well, I'd love to hear from people who have had positive psychic experiences because that's where the curious reaction for me came from is that yeah. I the the stories when people get told like, oh, there's no way they possibly could have known that. Like the skeptic in me is like the internet or like cold right. reading or those are real real documented like ways that you never know. I guess. You never yeah. know. Yeah. I mean we you know, they they did, you know, Patrick Swayze came back and he saved the life of Demi Moore. And then he left in the beam of light at the end and I cried. And, you know, so. So that was real for psychic, you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was very okay. real. Okay. 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 We got to move on. This is a long one. So before we do that, though, we just want to let anybody that's listening know that we do have a mental health chat and discussion group. Um, it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, but there's also a lot of support in there with a, a, a lot of great people. And if you want to find that, you go to Facebook and search Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat. And then also uh, we are now taking patrons to help the show like continue to pay for the website and things like that. It's one of those things that just keeps us going from week to week. And we'd really appreciate that. And you could go to poppsych101.com slash pod support. Uh, you could help out there. And with that, let's get to it. Let's do it. It's not that bad. No? Mm, you 
smell that, Max? That's actually shit. Cow shit. I don't see any cows. Clearly, you haven't met the high school girls. So what, you like it here now? No. Then why are you defending it? I'm not. Sure sounds like it. It's just we're stuck here. Mm. So You're right. We're stuck here. And whose fault is that? Mars. What'd you say? Nothing. You say it's my fault? No. You know whose fault it is. Say it. Max. Say it. Say it! Billy Hargrove. Billy is the son of Neil Hargrove and an unnamed mother from California. His father was physically abusive to him and his mother. Billy had a passion for surfing as a kid and his mother was very supportive of him. He has fond memories of her standing on the beach watching him surf. Billy's mother abandoned him sometime later due to Neil's behavior. And Neil eventually married Susan Mayfield, mother of Max Mayfield. Max was introduced to Billy as his new sister, which he did not like. Neil's abuse towards Billy turned him into a childhood bully, and he is seen in his memories beating up other kids. Billy Hargrove, what a guy. What a guy. What pecs? What, I think that's, that's basically the introduction to him, is like, look at his body as he gets out of his Camaro. I mean, I'm sorry, he's, you know... I'm just saying, you know, he's uh, he's he's been working out. Well, good for him. Yes, but stay healthy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but as a person, he's kind of problematic, Mike, and that's what we're talking about today. He's pretty problematic. It gets you a little sad, and uh, it does that thing where you feel for him. But there's a lot of things that you know choices made on their own as well, and so yeah, he's not that great of a guy. Right, so we're going to try to dig into that chronologically. We're going to focus a lot of today's episode on season two of Stranger Things, and then we'll get into uh, spoiler alert. Uh, some of the end. no more. I I, I know I know you list. did already, but you know you got to <laughs> remind people. We'll get into season season three of Stranger Things, which has only been out now for uh, like uh, two weeks by the time you're listening yeah. to this. So if you haven't watched all of it, you know, come back for the second half of the podcast later. But yeah, so we're introduced to this guy. And immediately, like, just from the way he looks, you can tell it's like, oh, this is going to be a bad guy. Yeah, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, because this is season two. So, you know, you're going to meet another antagonist, right? Of course, yes. And then he pulls up and like, uh, he's got like a Camaro. And it's like, or whatever. And he gets out like a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could play it. But yeah, he gets out and like leans on his Camaro and he's got like that. He's got the hair and. And uh, in the mustache, a, I guess. A gorgeous <laughs> 80s mullet and mustache. Yes, quite the combination. I don't the, the mustache. But... And the all denim outfit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was, uh, you knew right away he was going to be a problem. And yet we didn't really know what kind of problem he was going to be, right? Um, yeah. Because unlike season one, he's not a supernatural monster. He's just a normal human monster uh, in the sense that he just does stereotypical 80s bully things. Yeah, yeah, which in my mind uh, is scarier than supernatural monsters oh, because I totally they're agree. real. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And I thought, you know, 
I want to kind of talk about why they portray Billy the way they do. You know, because I think there's out there on the internet, Mike, there's a lot of mixed feelings about Billy. Some people love him as a character. Well, like I said, they they help you feel for him. So I, those people, once once they hit that part of his character arc, they've sided with him. Like, and they can't remember all that other stuff. And that's why we're doing this episode because we're going to help you remember that other stuff. Then we're going to figure out why, uh, what motivations are behind his actions. And the impact of his actions because, yeah. yes, he is a complicated, even tragic figure, but he kind of leaves a, a wake of destruction in his path everywhere he goes. Yeah, what, so, so what are you hearing besides about the him being... Oh, well, uh, I mean, feelings? well, just like you said, um, people are very attracted to him. <laughs> so that's that's part of it, right? Where the, you know, the popular kid is also the bully is also the good looking guy. Yeah. And I think people just kind of like some parts of his attitude that he's just kind of he loves himself and he loves his rock and roll and he yeah. and he loves his car. You know what that is? That's probably the actor coming through. Oh, sure. Great actor. So he there's a lot of problematic behaviors from Billy. And when he first shows up, you can already tell there's tension between him and Max, who we find out is his stepsister. Yes. And I didn't get that at first. I, and it, you see very shortly thereafter. But it, right at first, when you meet Max and Billy, you don't really know who is doing what to the other sure. to like make that tension. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think like it's basically right away we have the scene in the Camaro on the way home, don't we? Yep. This is in season two, early season two. Yeah, they just moved from California to Hawkins, Indiana, and I don't think Max is very happy about it, and certainly Billy isn't either, but uh, Max says under her breath on the way home that she thought it was, like, Billy's fault. He already has this attitude about him, but he just goes from zero to 60 in a split second, and this isn't just like he was angry because somebody was talking bad about him, like, in a normal way. This is, like, something... There's more to this. Like, this was a deep inside, furious, like, resentment uh, with himself, actually, from what he said. He's like, tell me it was my fault. He screams at her. So there's this dispute between, you know, them being in what they both feel like is this bad situation, this random town in Indiana, and there are no waves, and there are no babes, and all these sorts <laughs> of things that, that Billy's upset about. And he obviously blames Max for it, and she obviously blames Billy for it. But as soon as it's as the possibility of it being Billy's fault is mentioned by Max, he does. He kind of freaks out. And uh, during this drive, they're coming up on three of our heroes, basically. Oh, yeah. Billy sees that Max is kind of like concerned that he's going to run them over. So he's like, oh, are these your friends? And she's like, I don't even know them. So she's trying to yeah. kind of play it off like they don't mean anything to her. But I, yeah, I've been here for one day. Yeah. But Billy already starts to prey on that feeling of like, I don't want you to be happy here. Yeah. And he kind of freaks her out by almost running the three boys over. Yeah. So he's obviously uh, just, I mean, moving is stressful for anyone. It's like one of the number one stressful things, right? That's right. So they're both under stress, uh, but I just don't understand the motivation of whatever negative emotion you're feeling. Like, why does he want someone else to feel the same way as he's feeling? Because that's what it seems like when you're watching it. Like, he can't just be alone in that feeling. He's trying to bring other people with him. 
Yes, he is. And we're going to get into this sort of power dynamic that's at play in this family in general. But, you know, we, we learn later on in the season that uh, Billy's father, uh, Max's stepfather, is pretty abusive towards him. Yeah. And as a result, and like I said, like I said we're going to get into this more in detail as we approach that, that part of the season. But, you know, this, this imbalance is created. And I think part of Billy's desire to mistreat other people is to find other ways of mm-hmm. bringing himself balance outside of his family, basically. Okay. So, so yeah, we're, we're talking about bullying with him today. Like that's going to be the subject, but like, like, is this something, this act, would you consider this bullying? This, this scene? Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. So this just, this isn't just like anger lashing out. This is like a specifically bullying situation. Yes, and we should probably have a frame of reference for what we're defining as bullying, right? Sure. For our context, for our discussion today, we're going to think of bullying as a form of aggressive behavior in which someone intentionally and repeatedly causes another person injury or discomfort. Okay. So um, we're going to focus a lot on the discomfort part of that spectrum because for my point of view the injury especially when we're talking about physical injury that's sort of an extreme side of bullying that's gladly not as common but it's also for me that falls more under just like assault and battery yeah and i don't want i don't want to lump that into what we're going to talk about today which is more like emotional bullying emotional bullying and we'll we'll talk about cyber bullying in the second half today but yeah so that's that's what we're going to look at as bullying so in this scene we have Billy absolutely intentionally and repeatedly causing Max discomfort. So he's 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 bullying his sister, um, but not the characters yet. Not the characters yet. I mean, you know, he almost ran him over. That's <laughs> on its, it's like own. Secondary bullying. I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it would be an isolated isolated bullying incident. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Drive-by bullying. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we have this. This is our introduction to Billy, right? And yeah. then we see more of his behavior sort of evolve as he tries to establish dominance at Hawkins High. Yeah, because because of Steve. Well, right. So it's like it's like the old... Um, Oh, man, it's a dumb comparison. But like the old thing that what what they tell people when you go into jail, like you go into jail and if you want to survive, you go in and you find the biggest, baddest guy and you knock him out. Right. Yeah. And that's essentially what Billy tries to do in Hawkins in his first day and week. Poor Steve. He finds out who's the most popular, best looking other guy yeah. and intimidate him. And, you know, he doesn't immediately start being like actually physically aggressive towards him. That comes a little bit later. But. He does definitely tries to intimidate him, both um, in the hallways, at a party, and on the basketball court. So he's just like trying to put this guy who they have no relationship, no connection whatsoever. Yeah. And he's trying to assert his dominance. That just got me thinking, like, I was thinking about two very popular guys in any high school um, who are actually friends, let's say. Sure. In this scenario, do we see instances of of these kind of guys like bullying, like they're, they're, they're actual buddies. So is, I guess is the question like, can friends bully each other? Correct. Yeah. So I'm saying like if Steven, if Steven, uh, Billy weren't strangers, but we're just the two popular guys and Billy still treated uh, Steve the same way, would it be a bully situation? 
Yeah, it's a tough question. And there's a lot of shades of gray um, with different types of bullying behavior, because part of what we look at is the consequences, is the impact that it has on the person being bullied. So if people are, if let's just say Billy and Steve were friends, and the attempts at intimidation or bullying each other was just sort of taken as sarcasm or taken as a joke, and neither one of their uh, feelings are actually hurt, neither one of them are actually injured or uncomfortable, we probably wouldn't think of it as bullying, even if it was right. attempted mistreatment. Um, we would think of it as teasing, uh, you know, not necessarily yeah. appropriate behavior, but behavior between people who know each other. Yeah, right. So, it, it, and I mean, you could get into masculinity and all that kind of stuff with mm-hmm. the way people get treated, but, and not to completely diverge, but uh, to really seal in what I'm thinking in my mind, like, think about, have you seen Mean Girls? Oh, yeah. Like the way the one treats the rest of them? Like, that's mm-hmm. got to be bullying, right? Well, yeah, because, and that's that's where this is this happens, is that the impact of people who experience bullying, all of these mental health issues are significantly more likely to happen for people who are being bullied. Hmm. So, and that includes things like depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, agoraphobia, panic disorders. The odds of of these uh, mental health issues uh, showing up are, are significantly higher for people who have experienced bullying. Right. So, and that's, you know, we don't see like really clear examples of those things developing for the kids in Hawkins. But I think especially with Max, she's afraid of him, Right. Yeah. Um. She she avoids him at certain times, and then yep. at the end, I mean, to jump ahead to the end of season two, she the way she responds to him is with physical aggression. So we have this sort of cycle of abuse and cycle of of abusive behavior starting. And I want to maybe we may talk about that as well, the cycle of abuse, because I think that's an important yeah. aspect of what's happening in this family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so what I was wondering is in 1984, Billy shows up in town, and he's already this way. Fully grown guy, obviously. That's why, you know, everyone likes him on the internet. But, you know, when when does this kind of stuff start? Like, when was Billy a bully? So it's hard to say because we don't have a lot of experience with him as a kid, although we, we get some of that in season three. Basically, all we know is that Billy is like this now. Um, we don't know how long he's been uh, abusive towards Max or towards other people in general. We can sort of assume that because his dad treats him this way, that 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 family abuse has been going on at least since Billy's mom passed away, maybe even before that, right? Right. Yeah, we yeah. could almost assume that maybe this kind of stuff started rearing its head shortly after Max was even introduced in his life. Oh, sure. Like resentment absolutely. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. This sort of behavior can be a response to trauma. It can be a response to, you know, uh, uh, family conflict. So we know from season three, and so we've done a lot of spoiler alerts. We know from season three that um, Billy's mom died. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We we know this had a huge impact on him. Mm. We can assume that if it had a huge impact on him, it had a huge impact on Billy's father. Sure. And that that's probably around the time when some of this cycle of abuse stuff started. Yeah. So we, we, we talked about the Camaro scene and we talked about the way he treated Max in the car and almost hitting all the kids. But like, what else did you see? And you were like, um, you know, there's a bully. So the next scene where this is really clear to me is this sort of weird party scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So the first scene in the party we see is uh, Billy doing a keg stand, right? <laughs> so he shows his dominance by uh, showing how long he could be upside down and drinking alcohol. And then he goes into the party and immediately goes up and confronts Steve Harrington. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is big time bullying. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like you I'm, are below me. Yes. I'm going up to the biggest guy in the yard, the biggest guy at the party. And I'm saying, like, you know, I heard you're the, the big guy on campus, basically. Yeah. Um, and kind of pushing him around. Yeah. And I'm going to crush you and I'm going to embarrass you. Yeah. And to Steve's credit, and we are going to talk about throughout today's episode, like way healthy ways of responding to bullying. Steve does not respond to this at all. It's just kind of yeah. like, OK, guy, I don't know you. Like, I don't know what your problem is. Leave me alone. Basically, I'm not I'm not feeding into this. Yeah. And that's why it kind of ends there, at least in that scene. OK, well, so you, you were talking right at the beginning of that about like the keg stand. You know, what's what's the difference? I don't think I don't know anyone who didn't do a keg stand. Well, so no. I, so I want to <laughs> you know, be clear. That's like, what I'm saying doing a, is doing a keg stand is not bullying. <laughs> right. But I'm just playing I, devil's advocate here. That's OK. Like like uh, there's a lot of these behaviors that can be seen. That it's that you can just pass off as, you know, I see that a lot. Sure. So, you know, I'm like, what's the difference? So the difference is when it purposefully and intentionally makes someone else uncomfortable, whether yeah. that's uh, because they're physically uncomfortable because you're threatening them um, physically or otherwise, or because you are trying to insult them, trying to challenge them, trying to demean them. And that's, so that's the difference, right? So we can have this sort of dominance, this display of strength and alcohol consumption ability on one side. And then as soon as it crosses the, the border into, I'm going to get into Steve Harrington's face and try to intimidate him. Now we're in bullying territory. Hmm. So it's kind of like, and I think everyone's experienced this, unfortunately, where in your early twenties, have you ever been to out somewhere, say a party Maybe you went to like a pub or something like that. And there's like that guy that comes in that wants to like fight other people. And do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's the same attitude that I've seen. And, and I've always thought that like they just want to put the these they just want to put people just lower than them so that they can. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're trying to do when it happens. Like, why well, they're, are they they're acting trying, this way? They're trying to reassert themselves. If they feel insecure on the inside, they're trying to assert themselves on the outside because that that gives them the balance that they don't feel. Yeah. I guess I just don't get it. Well, if Billy had a healthy, happy home life, um, the sort of impetus for mistreating people would be, like, weirdly out of thin air. And I, I'm just of the opinion that that doesn't really happen. People don't act this way for no reason. Sure. Uh, unless they're like a sociopath or something. Sure. Like but, personality but, but even then, yeah. that would be the reason. It's, this is yeah. not, just, it's not just bizarre, unexplainable behavior. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this guy, this is what's happening to him, and this is how he's responding to it. Right. So, yeah. So I think what, what, what comes up next of the basketball scene? Yeah. So now we have more clear examples of Billy trying to like directly intimidate Steve on Steve's turf. Like Steve's supposed to be like the, the, the jock king of the high school. Unbelievable. And uh, with his magnificent hair and Billy shows up on the basketball team shirtless and just starts <laughs> pushing him around. 
It's the best show. So, you know, the basketball scene for me was less obvious bullying. I wouldn't necessarily just if we only watched that scene, I would be like, this guy, pardon my language, is just kind of an asshole. He's not necessarily bullying Steve as much as it's just like, this is what competition between boys in high school sometimes looks like. Yeah. But, but putting context with all the other things, it's Billy with this repeated pattern of trying to make Steve uncomfortable. Yeah. Like for me, that scene was just like silly. Oh, sure. It's just a great like 80s montage basketball scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Like I could have in my mind, like replaced them with like Will Ferrell and one of those guys doing the same stuff. Or like if you've seen the movie Teen Wolf, like, I mean, it's just oh, yeah. like a, a ridiculous, <laughs> a ridiculous 80s high school. Kidding us? Right? You kidding? I love that movie. Yeah. I, I'm starting to see what, what's going on, I guess, with why, or not, maybe not even why, but I don't know, why people would bully somebody else. Um, but I'm kind of worried about Steve, I guess, and Max. Like, what yes. what is this affecting I know you said anxiety and like depression, but I mean, we all know it goes deeper than that. Absolutely Really does. tragic things can happen mm-hmm. as a result directly of this. Yeah. So in a scene later on, we see Max is talking to Lucas outside the school and Billy sees this in the distance while he's waiting at his super cool Camaro. <laughs> so then when Max comes over, Billy's like, who's this kid you're talking to now? Again, on the internet, there's like a lot of um, distinctions being made about whether or not this is like overtly racist behavior by Billy or just like bullying and overprotectiveness because Billy yeah. doesn't actually reference the fact that Lucas is African-American. I just think I think he, he doesn't discriminate with the people he hates right. on. I, I kind of feel the same way because there's no he doesn't say like, don't talk to, to black kids. He just says, you know, kids like him mm. um, just want something from you is sort of the, the vibe. That he's he's sort of this like overprotective version. And this is when we talk about the cycle of abuse. I want maybe this is a good time to get for us to get into it. You know, abusers are not typically abusive all the time because if they're abusive all the time, they wouldn't have anyone to abuse. All the people that would never they would never form relationships in the first place, basically. Yeah. They're just punching people as they walked through the street. Right. But they want to have relationships. So there are also times of calm. There are also times of, of reconciliation. So if we talk about the, the cycle of abuse, Mike, what it looks like and what we clearly observe with Billy and even to a certain extent his father is that let's just say it starts with a period of calm where nothing's happening. Okay. You know, then we have some tension building. So we see that with, with Max and Billy when, she, when he's, um, you know, almost running over her new friends. Then um, there's an incident or acting out phase. And we see that when um, at home, Billy is, you know, kind of outrightly threatening Max. Like, I don't want to see you hanging out with him. You know what I'm going to have to do, all these things. And then so that's that's sort of pretty that might not be necessarily outwardly abuse, but certainly emotional abuse. Sure. And then we have what we consider like the honeymoon or the reconciliation phase. And, you know, with the sort of classic bullies or, or spousal abusers, it would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I only do this to protect you. I only do this to, you know, to, to let you know how much I care about you. You know, he says something to the effect of, you know, we're not really brother and sister, but you are my sister. He says something like that to Max at one point. And there's this attempt on Billy's part to show her that he cares about her in this yeah. like weird, twisted way. Yeah. And then you see Max 
cares for Billy. Yeah, so it calms down at that point. So now yeah. it's like, okay, maybe Billy's okay. And then, um, you know, the, the climax of season two is Max sneaking out and, and joining all the boys to defend Hawkins from supernatural monsters. That's right. And Billy is at home and Billy's parents, I should say Billy's dad and Max's mom, confront Billy on why, where, why Max is missing. Hmm. So Billy gets the brunt of his dad's anger and then Billy uh, responds to that abuse by going and seeking out Max to essentially beat her and Lucas up, right? As yeah. sort of his intention. This is when Steve gets it, right? Yes. So we can, yeah, we can go through all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, so we this is the cycle of abuse. And I think this is in, in large part how bullies are created, if I'm being honest. Okay. And then when they're doing this to the other people, I mean, let's even uh, pull back from Billy, but like in a, just a high school... The future effects on the victims, I guess. Would they be yes. victims? Yeah, that's totally fine. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so, right. So, we see Max and Lucas sort of have this building relationship. And as soon as Billy starts to threaten her and threaten the, the fact that he she should never see him again, mm -hmm. she starts to isolate a little bit. You know, she starts to avoid him. You know, Lucas strangely tries to come over to Max's house to, like, come say hi, come check on her and she kind of freaks out and like tries to get him out of there um both to protect him and protect herself so yeah. we see this like what would be an early sign of whether it be anxiety or agoraphobia like it's not safe for her to be around these people because of the mistreatment of her older stepbrother wow and that's just these initial phases right yeah we have it like this isn't even like, like the, she's is, they're one of their freshmen or sophomores in high school. So down the road where that, that builds and builds and builds to the point where they might not feel safe, like having a securely attached relationship with someone. Especially yeah. If Billy's around. I feel like, I mean, you hear, you just hear about bullying all the time. And, you know, when I look back, I don't remember like seeing a lot, but I do know that, or at least I'm speculating that it, uh, it would like make people even maybe someone who was normally confident, like push their self-confidence down. Like if I feel like bullying, like, um, like regular bullying that you like hear about, like one guy picks another guy and he did, that's just who he zones in on forever. Yeah. Like even if that, or the guy who gets picked on was going to grow up to be this like really self-confident and whatever type of person, like, you know, successful and all that stuff. I feel like if they found themselves in a situation like that could literally change their entire like way of thinking and their entire life. Well, I'm glad you said that, Mike, because um, you, you are speaking more truth than you might be aware of, because one study has revealed that childhood bullying not only has effects on health, uh, obviously has a significant cost for individuals, families and society, but We've actually found that bullying may cause physical changes in the brain for oh, wow. victims. That, that's what I was thinking. Like it, it would just make him a different person. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So people who have who have experienced chronic bullying, they're able to compare their essentially their brain maps to people who have not, and notice specific differences. It's like they're punching their brains with words. Yeah. So their their brains are then traumatized in a very literal way. So wow. their brains are going to work differently. So it's important that for me as a therapist, it's important that we catch this behavior at its like smallest and most insidious version. Like you were talking before, but like, oh, when is it just like normal teasing between friends? 
And, and it's easy, I think, for us to minimize some of these kinds of behaviors as just normal teasing between friends. But if we don't know, like you gave the example of what if Billy and Steve are just sort of teasing each other, we might be able to look at that and say, oh, they're just teasing each other, they're friends. But if on the inside, Steve actually feels terrible for all the things that, Beale yeah. says, that Billy says about him, then, then it is bullying. It's not just teasing. It's Steve is going along with it because it's a friend, but it's, that's still like a very insidious kind of bullying. Yeah, like if his feelings are hurt and he's embarrassed and put down and feeling lesser than and all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so so to wrap up season two, um, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, I think I think you're right. As I mentioned, you know, there's this big confrontation at the the house, right? Yeah. And I think this is for me where I'm sort of sad that the cycle of abuse is continuing mm -hmm. because we see Billy, you know, confront these kids and he wants to go get his sister. So Steve tries to protect them, and then they have this physical altercation. So now we have, right. again, we have physical violence. Uh, and this one gets out of control. Yeah. Um, yeah, easily one or both of them could have died at various times during this interaction, right? right? And then while Billy and Steve are fighting, uh, Max takes a syringe. I don't even know what was in there. Was it like a diabetes medication or something? Yeah, it was like insulin, I think. Yeah, and she stabs him in the neck with it. Didn't that kill him? <laughs> no, I mean... No, it just sort of basically knocks him out a little bit. And she takes a, a bat with a bunch of nails in it and slams it down right in between Billy's legs. So we have this, you know, what has Max learned from these interactions with Billy? That Billy only responds to physical violence. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, if you want to read into it, it would be that Max has now just established her dominance over yeah. Billy. That's right. As a way to even the score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what really got me, and I think this was the whole thing about online with people with uh, different opinions about Billy, um, besides the unanimous decision that he's great looking, uh, <laughs> is season three, there's not a lot of this stuff. There, right. there, there's a really Billy's short... Just, Billy's just been a, taken over by the invasion of the body right. snatchers. He's, yeah. not a, he's not even Billy. Like, right. he actually, the first thing, they do do it, though. The very first thing that happens in season three is he calls a kid that's jumping in the pool a lard ass. Yes. And I was so like... We know, we know that he's still good old Billy. Yeah. So I have my notepad out, yep. and then I didn't... That was the only thing I wrote down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but what we do see um, is, is in the second to the last episode, uh, Eleven is going into... Uh, whatever that like world is, as she goes to see things mm -hmm. and she's trying to find out where the source of like the main monsters at. And, um, the source in her mind was also in the same place that Billy was, yes. but it wasn't Billy there. It was Billy's memory. Right. And it was, well, first it was Billy and I think his mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was praising him for, his one, like him surfing, yep. like a lot of love. And then like she rapidly faded away and then it was replaced by his father who um, basically was just screaming at him about everything. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't just like, like you're saying, because we're talking about bullying, like, oh, was in that just abuse? But it, it, it was more than that. Like he was yelling at him and, um, you know, calling him weak. Mm -hmm. because he was not doing great at baseball. And that, to me, that's bullying because... Absolutely. That's not just, like, tearing somebody up for the sake of it. That's, like, that's like a 
way more psychological. That's targeted abuse. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I get I, it makes you wonder like what the difference between abuse and bullying is. Well, bullying is what we think of as between kids. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, that's, this is why it's the cycle of abuse, because it's the example that was set for Billy by his father. It's when you're mad at somebody or when you don't like what they're doing, this is how you can treat them to get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then that's, you see this scene, and I'll be honest with you, it's sad. Oh, yeah. Because they show you a child Okay, and we were, we just talked about how this kind of stuff, there's a study that said literally can change the way your brain works or physically grows. And so this is happening to a child. It's like, how can you not like empathize with Billy at this point? But then it's like, but he's also the worst. <laughs> right, but that's that's why this is a good show is because they do create him as a complex character and they do um, show that people become who they are in a lot of cases because of their childhood experiences. And right. if they are as as negative, as traumatic as Billy's apparently was, then you can kind of become this kind of person. That doesn't excuse your behavior, um, but it does point out how this can happen. And I think the, you know, we'll, we'll sort of acknowledge the end of Billy's arc, right? Yeah. Which is that as Eleven sort of sees the origins of his pain and anger and also to a certain extent the monsters, you know, and, and this is during the, like, the climactic battle of the, uh, the last episode, she, she says to him all the things that, he, that she can see from his, his experiences with his mom. She sees him on the beach. She sees what the mom is wearing. You're going to make me cry. Seven foot waves. I mean, but like, so... It, 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 I struggle with the scene because it like it breaks it down to like the, the simplest way of getting through to a bully, which is like, I know somebody hurt you. It's OK. Yeah. And then the bully just softens and, and, and now he becomes a good guy and saves them from the monster. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, there is a good message in that, that we do have to still try to show empathy yeah. even for people who are uh, abusive. I think that's a good message. Because because without that empathy, where is where is like redemption or rehabilitation from it? You know what I mean? Right. We wouldn't. We would just reject him and he would keep doing worse and worse things and probably end up in, jail. in prison. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my next question uh, before we head to the second half was was, uh, you know, what does redemption look like for Billy? What does like turning with a, take away the fact that he's dead? That he sacrificed himself to the monster, yes. Yeah, so take that <laughs> part away. Uh, pretend like uh, he's still alive and it's the next year. Like, who, ha, what does that look like? Like, even in real life? Yeah, so if if Billy is in my office, um, you know, there's a chance we're doing EMDR to work through grief from his loss of his mom. There's a chance that we're working on, like, healthy expression of anger. Um, we're probably not doing family therapy quite yet. That might take some time, especially when you have family abuse. You're not necessarily immediately going to, okay, well, let's get you and your dad together in a room right. because um might not be the best for either of them yet. But um over time, we could certainly work to that if we felt like there was a safe way to do it. But but basically, it's about changing the lessons that Billy learned as a kid, that it's okay to treat people this way, and this is a way for you to get what you want, that there are ways for you to get what you want and and protect your stepsister and, and have cool hair and cool cars. Mm -hmm. And the mustache. And, have a cool mustache and and not put yourself at risk for unhealthy relationships or prison time. Yeah. 
it, it, it's just like it basically what you're doing in that situation from what I'm hearing is like we're literally just doing the reverse like let's remold the brain back to where it was supposed to be before you know your dad shaped it this way yeah I don't know it, it feels like to me that this would be one of the hardest like therapy cases to actually turn someone around yeah, and what it's, it's why you often don't see the actual bully in therapy. You're way more likely to see the victims of yeah. bullying. Yeah. Um, because as we talked about before, with things like narcissism, it's it's you know the people who are bullies are less likely to see their behavior as problematic. Mm. You know that's why if if anyone if I get a bully, it's because because the school mandated treatment or right. man, you're gonna have to try so hard to get them to see. Yeah, and or they're on juvenile probation, and I have to work with them because of their probation officer. I've certainly been in those situations, and it is hard. But if you can get them to see the sort of "quote unquote" error of their ways, and that there are easier ways for them to get what they want, there's there's absolutely the opportunity for for positive change. It just does take time. Yeah. All right, guys, we do have to take a break, and uh, we will be right back. So, Mike, because our listeners love hearing about our childhood so much and because we're talking about uh, the 80s and kids in high school, I thought, why not dip into our well again? That's what I'm talking about, man. We just need a show where we just talk about ourselves and that's it. Because we would, that's juicy content right there. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, man, we this is us. These guys in Stranger Things, that's us. Yeah, you're Steve Harrington, you know? obviously. Yeah. No, uh, no, I was... I don't know who's the door. I'm Will, probably. You're Will, okay. Or I might be Mike, actually. Uh, as you know, medium nerdy. Sure. But, but yeah, you know, this is this is our era that we grew up in. That's and, right. And you know, so we got to talk about. Yeah, the eighties. The eighties. Well, well, for us, it was the nineties. Probably really when we were at this age, um, right, middle to late nineties when we were actually their age. Uh, yeah, that's true. But. The, the idea being basically the same, because um, I think what we also want to talk about here in our, you know, uh, second portion of today's show is that bullying has changed a lot since the 80s. Yes. So, um, but actually not that much for us, more like kids today. So for yeah. us, well, maybe we'll share a couple of personal experiences and then we'll go into what what these kids are like today and what, what bullying looks like in the age of the Internet. That's right. Yeah. It's a totally different world out there. Okay. Yeah. So I, Ryan and I talked beforehand and we wanted to do bully stories as a, a guy. We, we did masculinity a few weeks ago, right? Yep. Um, as a guy, bullying is, is, can be a rite of passage almost. Uh, or like it just happens a lot. Is what yeah, I, mean. I wouldn't want to call it that because that that makes it that sound good. as it's as it's supposed to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but I will. I'm bad uh, with yeah. words. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, but like you, you hear about it a lot. But I'm, I'm gonna. My story is a a good story because, you know, I was kind of a, a really I was very little. Uh, like I didn't start growing until I think I was like a sophomore. So when I went into freshman year, I was, what was it? Like four foot 11 or five foot flat. So I was very, very little and you know, it's kind of goofy guy. I still am. So like I haven't changed there and, but I never really had a big problem with bullying like ever. I never even really saw it to be honest with you. If I did, I just did, was totally oblivious. But um, my, my bullying story is the fact that uh, I remember on several occasions, um, one of my best friends, like when bullying might have started for me, 
I had a, a friend and he was my, you know, one of my best friends forever. Um, basically just say like, that's not happening. Hmm. And then it just didn't ever happen after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, cause I was kind of new to school. I had, I was homeschooled a lot, a whole bunch of elementary school. Then I was private schooled. And so like, I was pretty new to public school and, uh, I had me and him had formed a quick friendship and he wasn't even like threatening him. He's like, there's just no reason to treat somebody like that. Cause that's just the way he was. But he was like a pop, more popular guy. So like they listened. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so I just didn't have a, have a deal with it. And then just to add to that, I actually had another guy maybe a couple years later and he was in like a totally different style of click than I was in. Mm-hmm. I, I would call them like more, they were harder than like my click. You know what I mean? Like they were the kind of guys that probably would fist fight. Sure. I remember one of them like coming up to me and for absolutely no reason, just being like, Hey, Graham, if anyone ever messes with you, you let me know. And I was just like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I don't have to do that, but all right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm lucky, you know, yeah. I, I didn't, I had people that I apparently wanted to fight other people for me. Hmm. That feels good. <laughs> that feels good. I guess even yeah. if it's sort of like participating in the abusive behavior cycle. <laughs> I, I don't know. But so, yeah, so so it's interesting because we talked earlier. Uh, we talked earlier about the sort of drive-by bullying, yes, incident uh, from Stranger Things, and that's sort of what are, that's that's the type of bullying I've experienced is these several one-off instances. Hmm. Um, I've shared before on the podcast how I moved to New Jersey, blah 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 blah. So, you know, you right, you're going to have a lot of weirdness around yeah, there. I mean, you know? so basically you come in, you're, you're the low man on the totem pole, right? Yeah. You know, I talked before about, you know, when you show up in, in the new school, you want to take down the coolest kid. I, I was, I was, the, I did the exact opposite thing. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be nerdier than the nerdiest kid you're or like person. quieter than the quietest kid. <laughs> so, so what happens when you show up like that is, is you you kind of do become a person that other people are going to test. Like, oh, what, what happens if I... So it's funny that you said people called you Graham. People started calling me Engelstad, um, but it's a mouthful. So that turned into other versions of my last name that were uh, not as nice. So you can use your imagination. Oh, yes. But yeah, so it would start out with things like that, that as we're talking about, like, oh, light teasing. But then, you know, it it annoyed me enough or it upset me enough that there would be incidents where, and one I'll never forget, which is um, I was at a track meet. I was on the track team. So we're, you know, the the kids who are not running are all in just like the center of the the field, you know, not not doing any races or just sort of waiting for them, their race to start. And this this other kid who was on my team was just kind of teasing, doing that, that like stupid teasing, name calling you know, making fun of me stuff. And I finally had enough. And I, I probably said something like, like, dude, shut up or like, leave me alone. And it was like that classic thing of like, what are you going to do about it? Um, yeah. And, and we, we, it, it came to the point that we actually started wrestling in the middle of like the, the soccer field in the middle of a track meet. And yeah. it's like the, the stupidest thing. I think back on it, like, what the hell was wrong with me? Nothing. No, I know, but but so as an adult, I pride myself on being non-reactionary. That I you could basically say anything to me and I just let it flow off my back. Like whatever you say is fine with me. Mm-hmm. 
But at that mm-hmm. time, being a little bit more sensitive and being a little bit more, you know, wanting to be liked, wanting to fit in, wanting to be accepted, it did affect me more. And I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of why bullying is so damaging. Is it because it creates this very clear message that you are not accepted, that you're not wanted, that you're not liked? And that's why kids, I do think, start to develop things like anxiety and depression and panic. Yeah. Because if that's the message that they're receiving day after day after day, and I didn't, for the record, like I said, these are isolated incidents. But but if it is day after day after day, how how can they defend themselves from that from a from an emotional intelligence standpoint? It's just impossible. Yeah, you know, because we we crave we crave like uh, social interaction and yeah, and acceptance, and, acceptance and, and, and validation. And when, yeah, yeah, and when people deny you that, especially in front of other people, mm-hmm. yep. So that now a whole crowd is denying you. Yeah, like it's destructive, but also at the same time, if you look at it, it's also just like humans are just weird. Well, sure. <laughs> so that's my conclusion. <laughs> so yeah, humans are weird, and so that's. Our experiences, Mike, with with bullying. And I think just real quick, as I'm talking about this, I'm reminded that bullying has changed a lot. You know, we just talked about how if you're, you know, getting this experience day after day of being sort of uh, not liked and invalidated, that the Internet has made that exponentially worse. You can't escape it. You can't go home. Right. Home, make it stop. home is no longer safe. Right. Yeah. Because you're still online. You still have your cell phone. And that's why cyberbullying is such a problem now, yeah. um, because, you know, even if you're just getting treated that way by that one kid at school, at least you could go home and talk to your parents or be with your other friends. Yeah. But now that's you, not the case. What would you dis- like define cyberbullying as? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, sure. So cyberbullying, and I'm just going to give you a definition that I have, cyberbullying entails bullying behaviors through digital technologies, such as computers and smartphones. Um, this can happen at any time and can include abusive texts, emails, social media posts, any deliberate exclusion of a person online. So uh, yeah. know, I work with a lot of kids and now it's like, oh, we're we're going to start our own group chat and don't invite, you know, whoever, uh, Johnny. Kids, man. Yeah. And it's like this exclusion is also that form of bullying, obviously spreading rumors, um, imitating others by using their login information so that like... Um, Oh, yeah. So basically pretending to be them and then and like saying, doing and something. saying crazy yeah, stuff, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, all this stuff happens. And it's it's really hard to recover from. Mm, yeah, and it's like, like we said, like you can't go home from it. But it's also what makes it exponential is the people that are doing it, they have that like protection, this the screen, you know, it's a protection. There's not actually a person in front of you. So even people that might not be like that in person are acting that way online because maybe they're friends with someone who does, or maybe they just there's just less fear behind it. Well, right, and because the the schools have less agency to do something about it. You know, if someone gets you know uh, gets in a fight on the school playground, it's like okay, school can uh, suspend or or uh, expel a student that that's doing that on school grounds. But with cyberbullying, the schools and they're getting better with this, but it's still hard to be like it's not our jurisdiction, like tell the police. And I've had situations like that with kids where it's like the schools kind of throw their hands up and say, you know, what, what can we do? It didn't happen with school property on school property. You know, they happen to both go to the school, but other than that, we don't have any knowledge or awareness of this taking place. Kids are so fragile. 
Like they haven't, you know, we always talk about, you know, your brain doesn't get done growing until you're 25. And Ryan, you've said before just how absolutely like malleable you are in your teenage years. And they take all this stuff so seriously because like they haven't grown to the point where they can realize that like a lot of this stuff, you know, that's that other person's deal and not oh, yours. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like yeah. you let it roll off your back. You know, when you like you get in your 30s, you're just like, yeah, you know, nobody in high school, you know what I mean? Like all that social stuff just didn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. um, but kids, they just take it so seriously. And like you hear stories. Not that it doesn't happen with real life bullying, mm -hmm. in, in person bullying, but it's like I feel like I read more about cyber bullying kids who like take, you know, further measures or oh, yeah. do something bad. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's like, I'm worried. I got kids, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, same. And, you know, you, you wonder, like, you can only protect them so much. I mean, I guess you could completely keep them off the internet until they're 18. Good luck with that. But even that's not going to prevent them from having awkward or uncomfortable interactions. So sure, it's, it's which, just... which we should. All right. right. But that's why it's education. That's why, yeah. you know, being able to open up the conversation around, you know, if something happens online that you're unsure if it's okay, if you're a little embarrassed about just creating that, that environment that you can talk to us about anything. And it's like a cliche, but it, it's, it's saying it and there's actually creating the environment for it. I know. I feel like I would like put a post-it on their bathroom mirror and it just says, you can talk to me about anything. I love you, dad. And it's just there every day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And, 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 but it's beyond that too. So it's actually, you know, it's modeling. So I, I talked to a lot of families about, you know, if you want to be able to have these discussions, if something bad happens, have the discussions when nothing bad is happening, have it yeah. normally. And that means parents being open and honest about the, the good, bad, and indifferent things that you're experiencing. You know, that means showing an interest in the kids, uh, experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, and being able to take the thing seriously that they want you to take seriously. You know, I've yeah. worked with, I've worked with teenagers who said, you know, yeah, like I, I, things were getting really bad there for me. And I told my parents or asked my parents if I go see a therapist and they were just like, you don't need to see a therapist. What do you need to see a therapist about? And that really breaks my heart because it's the parents not wanting to see a problem because they don't want to, I guess, feel like they're part of the problem. You know, nice. there are, there are a lot of reasons that stuff happens, but you know, we have to create environments where these discussions are okay. So our listener base, I would say the, the majority of them are parents. Uh, as far as in-person bullying or social media bullying, cyberbullying, like what are signs, um, just so we can kind of end it with them understanding that they could spot this with their kids. Like what are signs that they can see in their child if their child's not telling them so that they can figure it out? Sure. So it, there's a couple of classic ones, and these will sound familiar for any sort of mental health problems, but for bullying as well. So it might be things like, I don't want to go to school. Um, it's isolating themselves from typical friend groups, um, changes in eating or sleeping patterns. You know, if they increased more recognizable feelings of sadness or loneliness, if they have more health complaints. So if it seems like they're, if they could be actually sick more frequently, or if it just feels like they're, Pretending to be sick. Right. Another get out of school situation. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, if they have a loss of interest or a desire in their typical activities, all these could be signs that something serious might be going on. If the kid's not telling you, you what do you do? Like, do you just have to jump in? What do you do? <laughs> I don't even know well, how yeah, you get that so, going. Yeah. So, you know, gradually schools are becoming better about having therapists and, and guidance counselors and people that are more trained to deal with these types of problems in school. So that's that's a first resource for a parent saying, hey, you know, I'm noticing Johnny is is a little bit more isolated. He's he's sleeping longer. He's not eating as much. Can you check on him? Can you maybe ask around his friends or just, you know, is there anything that you can do to kind of find out if there's anything going on? Because yeah. you want to feel like there are people that you can kind of bring in to the team. Yeah. And with yeah. a school, we really need the school. Yeah. Okay. Well. Everyone, I hope that that if, if you have a kid and you're seeing that stuff, that that, that helps um, for you to be able to spot it. Hope you guys liked our discussion on um, Stranger Things. But we do have to get our ratings going today. And if you haven't heard the show before, every week Ryan and I rate on a scale of one to five. Ryan rates for accuracy of something. <laughs> and I rate uh, and I rate on the critic scale. What do you got, Ryan? So, Mike, out of five Eggo Waffles... Oh, because it. we didn't we didn't get to talk enough about Eleven, just a character that I love and obviously has abuse issues of her own. Sorry, yes. Eleven, we'll get you in another episode of Pop Psych. We could just do like a whole series of them. Yeah, I know. You know, it's tough because. So I guess I'll I'll split it up. So season two, where we only see the sort of pretty stark uh, representation of Billy and Max's family, that's pretty close to realistic so i would give that season like a 4.5 or even a 5 like yes oh, this wow. is this is what a uh, abusive family dynamic might look like and the result is as a bully billy the bully um so that's pretty close to to accurate for me you know then we get into season 3 which is when billy is uh body snatched and becomes like a a host he's for a, an upside down creature he's a super bully yeah he's a super bully that is a, uh, a two <laughs> L 11 does show that it's important to show empathy and connection with people, even if they are quote unquote, you know, uh, bullies or, or bad people. But the way that she does it is with her super mind powers. And that's not a real thing, Mike. So that's why it's a one or two. Uh, so that's, that's my review for stranger things. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I got to do this and how much I liked it. And I'm not, I'm not going to do season to season. I'm just doing Stranger Things, all right? I'm just going to do the whole thing. And uh, five. It's a five, man. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I just actually uh, um, watched season three today, the whole thing. And because I was trying to catch up for this episode. And uh, I just kept stopping episodes and going, oh, my gosh, this is such a good show. It's perfect. It's fun. Um, but it's also like suspenseful and sometimes it's a little like creepy so it really captures the 80s and and i i don't mind all the tropes sometimes people are like oh they just keep doing the 80s thing and i'm like yeah that's like part of the thing yeah so i just i really like it so five same love stranger things yes it's great all right uh we got to get out of here for the day but make sure you stick around for ryan's closing thoughts about bullying and uh, before we do that we need to thank kevin mcleod he provides all the music that we use on our show. If you like royalty-free music, you can find Kevin at Incompetech.com. <laughs>